Welcome to the Stories of Change podcast. I'm Tom, a social worker, a frontline fellow, and your podcast host. In the podcast, you'll hear from a series of social work and sector experts who are creating positive change for children and families. In this episode, I spoke to Richard Smith, who is the Operations Manager for Future Pathways, which is a targeted employability programme for young Londoners that support them into sustained work, apprenticeships or education. My conversation with Richard explored his work, his motivations and the skills he uses to engage young people and support them into sustainable employment through their adult life. Richard gave some inspiring advice for those working with young people or vulnerable adults. His message is clear. They need the three P's, good people, a clear purpose and a good place to live. I hope you also enjoy this conversation. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Stories of Change uh, with me, your host, Tom. I'm really looking forward to this conversation this week. On the episode tonight, I have Richard Smith. Richard is the operations manager within Catch-22's employability division. Richard worked in alternative education for many years and has also worked in schools and prisons throughout the east of England. Richard is passionate about supporting people who may not have had the support in their early years, which can lead to limited academic achievement, crime, and subsequent marginalization from good jobs and future prosperity. He's currently the operations manager for Future Pathways. Future Pathways is a targeted employability program for young Londoners that supports them into sustained work, apprenticeships, or education. So yeah, I'm delighted that Richard is here today. How are you, Richard? Oh, hi there, Tom. Yeah, very well, thank you. So tell tell the listeners and, and, and myself, what, what is Future Pathways? How does it fit into Catch-22 and, and what, what work does Future Pathways do? Okay, so uh, Future Pathways is a GLA, so the Greater London Authority uh, and ESF, European Social Fund, funded um, contract. And um, what we aim to do is engage 16 to 24-year-olds who are currently not in education, employment or training, and also have um, barriers to getting into their next pathway and, and, and trying to support them into, into jobs and into education. Brilliant. And, and how, what does your role look like within that? And, and how does Future Pathways aim to, to go about doing that, getting, getting these young people into employment and education? Okay, so, so my role is, is to work with a, with a team uh, from Catch-22, uh, and that comprises of employment advisors, uh, which are effectively job coaches. Uh, we have a, a partnership manager as well and an administrator within Catch-22. And we look after four boroughs, and we also work closely with um, three councils who are part of the contract. So it's a, it's a partnership effort to, to find young people, uh, engage with teams such as the leaving care team within each borough um, and then we, we receive referrals from from those guys and then we partner them up with um, employment advisors who, who work with young people not only to uh, address their barriers and support them but also help them find look for work find work uh, and support them into work and and continue to support them when they're in work. Mm, yeah sounds like really sort of important important sort of work and service because I guess I, I'm kind of sitting here thinking about how you know a lot of 18 to 24 year olds will just the, the natural thing is you go to you go to school you go to college you go to university you've got something lined up it's all there but it really sounds like you're trying to kind of reach out to to the ones who aren't 
and I guess I'm curious, and the listeners will be curious, what is it about this these this group of 18 to 24 year olds? What what are the reasons maybe they're not in employment education that, that you see in future pathways? What what are the barriers that you're trying to to break down? I mean that's a that's a huge a huge question, and and obviously there's every every individual case has a different story to tell. But but what we what we see is, I mean you can go you can go right back to even before school. What you find, you know, I've worked previously in in primary education, secondary education, and further education, uh, and what you'll find is somebody that that might be behind or struggling um, at age four or age five continues to struggle in years you know from year from year four to year five to year six to year seven to and eventually they become disengaged in the education system they believe that they're not very bright or they believe that they're they're different and they're they're, they're not very good at, at school subsequently they, they get low or, or no gcses which, which limits their options already for at 16 and then continues to limit their options throughout so it's, it's you know they, they end up getting into a, a bit of a rut and if they, they they make some poor decisions you know end up with criminal records or end up you know not not looking after themselves it's very hard to get back on to work or back into education it's difficult mm, yeah absolutely um you know we, we, we're seeing young people that maybe didn't have really supportive parents to to to, to catch them or, or even to support them in early years Mm. Um, take, take for example, if, a, if, a, if day one at school is when you're four years old, if, if one young person has been taught the colours, the numbers, the speech, and then, and then the other person in the class hasn't, then, then, then one of them's already ahead of the game. Mm, yeah, from such a young age, and I think you're absolutely right. That sort of that cycle of of deprivation and, and poverty, and and not being in, in in employment or not going to school not being told that school is important or not having that sense of that value of the education can really be quite pervasive and it it, it sticks and that's a immense sort of cycle to break isn't it and your yeah and your work sounds like it really does try to at that very I guess at that quite late stage really make sure that's broken what do you think are the biggest challenges that you face in terms of trying to break those cycles with those young people that you work with what what challenges do you see there the biggest challenge is working with young people to build their their self confidence, build their resilience, to inspire these young people to understand that all these good things in the world—the foreign holidays, the German cars, the you know the detached houses—that's for them too. You can get into this rut where you may never have seen those things um, growing up. You may you know you may never have been on an aeroplane um, and never even considered it. Uh, and it's it's surrounding people with good people that have done these things uh, and people that believe that every, you know, that's for everybody. And that's a, that's a key um, part of catch 22 as, as a company, we've got this um, a three P's ethos, which is that everybody should have good people around them. Everyone should have a purpose and everyone should have a good place to live. Uh, and, and we embed that in everything we do. So catch work across the work in prisons, catch work in colleges and schools, uh, and we also work in the employability world. And we believe that for people to to really prosper in life, you need these three Ps established. And, and that's what we find with, with a lot of young people, with a lot of people that are in difficult situations, that they haven't got good people around them. They haven't got a, a sense of purpose and, and they haven't necessarily got a great place to live. Mm. It's it's interesting listening to you because I, I feel like I'm, there's, there's, uh, 
sort of similarity to the conversation I had with Tommy Gale last time about this idea of like visualizing success is a really important thing for young people, especially achieving into like further and higher education to say, I've seen someone who has the same skin color as me or speaks in the same language or has the same accent or whatever has gone to that top university. That is what they saw as really, really important. And it sounds like it's something very similar in terms of the, the people, the purpose and the place it's being able to say, well, that's for you too, which I thought was a really yeah. powerful thing to say. Yeah, that, that is the message. Uh, and that's what I believe. And I believe, you know, regardless of your background, but regardless of the, the cards that you've been dealt through often no fault of your own, these things are achievable. And, you know, and that's that, that's why I get out of bed in the morning to to try and s- spread that word and, and support, you know, the staff team to to get that message out there and, and, and offer that extra support so you can become a, a more fair playing field for everybody. Absolutely. I'm in, I'm interested in your own sort of your your own career kind of progression and your other experiences that you had. You've talked about working in all these different sectors. And I guess I wanted to know how you get those messages across, you know, and what skills you've picked up in your career about how best to do it. Because I think as a social worker, and I think many social workers listening will, will well, I hope they'll agree that there's one thing being told, well, yeah, this is what you need to say. But sometimes you go out there and it kind of falls on deaf ears and mm-hmm. you think I'm not quite I'm not quite getting the response that the textbooks have told me I'll get what 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 skills do you think you've got that you know maybe help really get that message out there and, and creates that change for young people I think it's confidence in my own learning and, and my own experiences that I can that I can share and it, and it comes down to this the idea that, that you have to be professional in the workplace this is a big a big thing and um, in, in a lot of high schools now, you'll see that all of the staff wear business attire, so-called business attire, which is like really posh suits and, and clean shoes and ties and what have you. And I, I think that that if, if you if you're not born into a professional world or a professional family, so to speak, in terms of the traditional clothing or the traditional way they they they, they speak or or what have you, then and your experiences of so-called professional people might be, um, I don't know, that the housing officer might be the police, might be a might be a social worker. It doesn't really connect on, on, on the same level. I think that that can be a barrier. Um, and in in further education, what what I thought to myself was, you know, it, it was an, it's an alternative provision. So it's for those young people that that basically get to sixteen, they don't necessarily get good GCSE grades or high GCSE grades. And then they can't get accepted into college. They haven't got the confidence to get onto a bus to go to a different provider in the next city or town. I, I've got to do something different because that that model of you know that Victorian schooling model with with, with the with the so-called professionals didn't work for that young person. So I need to approach this a little bit differently. And that's not to say that I'm I'm effing and blinding and and I'm, I'm you know wearing I don't know scruffy clothes. Uh, it, it's just trying to get get on that level, try and get on a level which is going to uh, engage young people. But, you know, even even like the ability to make mistakes. So when I'm in the classroom, spelling has never been my thing. I've never been tested for dyslexia. I don't know, spelling is just not my thing. And if I'm on, if I'm on the board, uh, I think a lot of teachers feel pressured that they can't make mistakes. And that's another big thing. You know, if I'm, if I'm spelling a word wrong and, I, and, and the class have a little uh, chuckle, then I can turn around and say it's okay. It's all right to make mistakes. And I suppose it's it's me being um, 
accepting and being comfortable with not being perfect i think that that goes a long way with young people too yeah i think that's uh, that's some really brilliant advice that confidence in your own learning experiences i guess your own life experiences as well if you're coming into a profession like social care or youth work or something with people and i i think as well this idea of yeah aesthetics how does it look i think is really important because i've worked in a couple of local authorities and i was always interested in what you know what the heads of service expected us to wear and and how you know and how that makes a difference, you know, that we do, all social workers will go to court with a family and you've got to wear the full suit. And that already alienates the family in what is a really tricky experience for them. So I, I think, yeah, that's, that's something that I definitely, I will take forward about how I'm presenting and how I'm looking and how I'm, I guess, fitting into their world a little bit more. The bit about mistakes is interesting. There's, I think there is a, a resistance or a hesitancy for a social worker to ever say sorry, you know, for something yeah. that, that might have gone wrong or they might have done which perhaps needs to change as well a little bit yeah and also I think um it's okay to give a little bit of your yourself away you know you're having a rough day or something went wrong I don't know or your child refused to wear a coat this morning so we had a battle and now I'm late it's okay to give those little insights I think sometimes obviously nothing too personal but because otherwise people think these professional people have got everything in order and these are these are a different type of people compared to me because this guy's got his whole life sorted and we know that you scratch the surface we've all got a little bit of something going on in the background i don't know for me it's just that i've had really really supportive parents that have picked me up every time i've fallen down or, or bailed me out every time i've needed help and you know and they still do today you know i'm you know i'm 40 next month and you know if i needed if i, if I needed help I'm lucky, lucky to have good friends around me and good parents, which comes back to the people element. You know, if you haven't got those people, you're in trouble or you could be, or it's very hard to stay out of trouble. Mm, mm. I think that, yeah, as always, I think that's something that is, is always interesting, this idea of where does the, you know, how long does that support for you go on for as an adult? Because I, I don't know how many times I, I say to people, well, I'm, I'm in my mid-20s and I, I still ask my parents for stuff. And the idea that then I work with an 18-year-old who becomes 18 and the, the support has to stop is is crazy, isn't it? Um, and care leavers are a key demographic that you work with in Future Pathways. What what do you see as a particular need of, of that group, um, care leavers in particular? Again, it's breaking down barriers. But, uh, and it's, it's also being accepted as yet another support service because a lot of care leavers have had social workers throughout their life. They've had family intervention. They've had um, teaching assistant one-to-ones in school. They've got a key worker in their accommodation. And these people come and go and get promoted and leave areas. And, you know, their, their, their experience of, again, professionals coming into their life and then possibly leaving them because, for example, at uh, um, at 18, the world changes, doesn't it, for a, mm. a lot of care leavers. The, 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 you know, the, the youth offending team then goes into probation service, um, and, and you know, lots of lots of things change when young people hit 18. And I think it's it, again, it's it's coming on that level that I'm not. We're not going to leave you. We are going to support you, and we're going to continue to support you until you're into a job. And even then, we're going to support you for six months while you're in a job too. You know, if we can get this young person that's, that, that didn't enjoy school, didn't achieve a great deal at school, if we can get this young person into a job, all of a sudden we've introduced them to, to good people because, they, you know, they're going to be surrounded by other people that work. They've got a purpose. They've got a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And, and eventually, you know, once they've saved up a, 
ridiculous deposit, they're going to have a good place to live. And then that's going to affect their children and, and, and you know, the, the next children. So the actual, the, you know, you can't underestimate how huge an impact we can have just by one person getting into work. You know, that's a generational change and, and you know, it can completely flip a, a, a family story. Absolutely. How does Future Pathways ensure that these outcomes for young people are sustainable? You know, because we, we recognise that they'll have, you know, a huge amount of other things going on for them. What, what is it that Future Pathways does to make sure it, it's long lasting and sustainable? Okay. So what we do is work really closely with, with social work teams. So currently we're, we're working with care leaving teams across, across the boroughs that we, that, that we work with. Because the care leaver has got this the social worker attached, that's another good role model and another strong person in their life that we can work closely with to to sort of report it's having that relationship with their PA having that relationship with their their key worker in in, in their housing uh, and sort of coming together and, and even you know we're willing to go out to to these young people now in the flesh uh, and we would happily go out with a social worker on, on a joint visit for example so it's just um, it's keeping that communication going and then with the, with the young person, in terms of sustainability, um, we offer that six months uh, in-work support. So if anything arises, and as I was saying before about the resilience of these young people, sometimes, and we find this when, you know, if you've, if you've failed every exam you've ever taken in school, and then you come to, you know, you come to further education and you open that exam paper and you answer the first couple of questions well, and then the third and the fourth question you can't answer. It's easy just to think, here we go again, and actually just decide to end that exam. And that can be the same thing in work. You know, they get to work and there's a small thing. They might think somebody's talked to them in a way that they didn't appreciate, for example. And it might be just like a fight or flight and, you know, end that job. So we try and be there to support and let them know that any time they can get in contact with us, we can talk through problems uh, and maybe we can um, help support them to go in the next day and, and, and you know, make them realise that actually it's not the end of the world. And if this person was rude to you in the workplace, you, you can you can have a conversation with them and you haven't got to just have the fight or flight impulse. Mm. It really sounds like Future Pathways are doing a lot of work to really break break those systems that are in place, because this is how it, it you know, the cycle continues, that these office spaces that we occupy the way we dress, how we expect people to behave doesn't take into account people's negative experiences in poverty or with lack of education. Um, so to have someone like Future Pathways by your side to be able to, I guess, advocate, you know, would, would you go as far as advocating to an employer saying actually? 100%. Yeah, that's a big part, yeah. big part of our job. We have a, we have a partnership manager who um, will be visiting employers and, and, and contacting employers and, and actually looking for these guys to come on board and realise that, for example, care leavers, that they've got a lot of uh, positive characteristics, such as resilience. You know, they've been through a lot. Chances are, and and they're still going forward. So, you know, we need to we need to try and uh, engage with people and say, not only let's give these people a chance because they've had a rough run of it, but also that you know there is there is a uh, positive aspects to take away that's actually going to uh, add value to your to your business. Certainly. And on that, you think about the work that Future Pathways does. Do you have any particular stories yourself or, you know, or yeah, anything that stands out to you about how Future Pathways or Catch-22 has, you know, created some really positive change for a young person? 
I went to um, I went to this launch event and they invited some of the people on the project uh, to come speak to us. We bought pizzas and what have you. Uh, and I met, I met I met three young people uh, I chatted to for quite a while, um, and, and and their stories were were really similar in that they, they were care leavers uh, and they didn't have much direction, but they've met um, formed strong relationships with, with with people that you know won't let them down, believed in them. And with sometimes only a little bit of support, just a bit of signposting, maybe, maybe just a, a quick once over on their CV or a quick check of their application before they press send. And, and, and subsequently, what, what one of the young people I spoke to has um, got through the first stage of the uh, Metropolitan Police Apprenticeship Scheme, which was great. Um, another young lady I spoke to, um, um, she went to college and then again, uh, fell out of college possibly because she didn't have the people around her to, to you know, support her to continue. It's easy, isn't it? Especially in, in sheltered accommodation, if you're surrounded by a group that are possibly not engaged in further education, it's quite easy to sort of sink to the lowest denominator, if you like. You know, mm. if, if, you're, if you're surrounded by people that are thriving and, and going, going places, you can jump on that bandwagon, but it works both ways too. And sometimes, you know, some child accommodation isn't the best environment to thrive, I find. Uh, anyway, this but this young lady, she, she was picked up by the Future Pathways team, um, and she's now studying to become a nurse. She's at City University in London uh, to become a mental health nurse, which was great. And she was really confident in talking to me. And, and the staff were really surprised. They said a year ago, or even six months ago, that she wouldn't have she wouldn't have chatted to a new person. But she was yeah. she was really confident, and it was really it was great to speak to her. So yeah, they were a couple of standouts. But you know, even even just the small things, even going on to a, an ESOL course, or uh, which is a uh, English for speakers of other languages, just to you know, and that's a lot of asylum seekers come come to the UK and then um, are, are straight into the the, the care system because they're. Um, under 18 for those guys to get into a into a, into a college course maybe they've never been to college in their life or even even school yeah um, I think that's fantastic too so yeah it, it, it's really exciting to be a part of this project because it's the most vulnerable young people and you know statistically care leavers the outcomes for care leavers are much lower than if someone that hasn't been in care you know which it shouldn't be should it you know it's not probably not their fault that they went into care yeah if, you know if the state is saying this child cannot live in that home for whatever reason whether it's abusive family you know whatever whatever they've suffered you know the state should have a responsibility to make sure that they still achieve as if mm-hmm. that didn't happen as if you know they were in a happy safe and healthy home environment this you know this conversation hopefully might um prick the ears of, of certain social workers out there to kind of get in touch with future pathways i know me personally i i think i might be trying to reach out to you again soon richard because it's got me thinking about some of the care leaders and young people i'm working with and just generally i guess more advice in terms of supporting young people in in education but i think it's been really really interesting hearing about the mission and some of the skills that you you use and thinking about you know aesthetics how things look and you know ability to make mistakes and own, own up to it but also, that messaging of, of three Ps, I think, is is something that I'll I'll certainly take forward from this conversation. So, thank you very much for your time, Richard. Well, I really enjoyed talking about it, and you know, I'm sure you can sense that it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think it comes from the fact that I've had the three Ps in my life mm. from birth, 
and I'm very conscious that not everybody has. And, you know, I feel like everybody should have. Yeah. And so just to reflect, they are good people of good purpose and a good place to live. That's right. Yeah. 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 Really important. Well, thank you very much, Richard, for your time. And I hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Take care, Tom.